welcome to Of Monsters and Crime, the podcast where you know exactly where you are because I tell you every single time. At first, you're baffled when you see my logo until I tell you where you are. Um, how's everyone doing tonight? Um, let's see. Uh, I guess we'll start with what I'm drinking. I made some sangria tonight. So it's red wine, um, some brandy, some OJ, some apples, some oranges, a little sugar. And I think that's it. Mix it all together and chill and drink it. So it's pretty good. Um, Let's see, movies and TV, what have I been watching? What have I been watching? Uh, So I watched Catching a Killer, which is on Netflix, which actually tonight's episode was an episode that was on that show. Um, I think it's only like three or four episodes, but each episode is a different killer and they're all good ones so I suggest watching that. Uh, I finished watching season eight of Wentworth. If you have not heard of it, it's um, an Australian like women's prison show, kind of like Orange is the New Black-ish, but in Australia. Uh, It's good, it's really good. Um, That is also on Netflix. I watched season three of You, which was pretty good. Um, I watched The Raincoat Killer, which also was, I think, only three or four episodes. Um, That one is pretty good as well. Um, And the dude is really fucked up. If you haven't heard of this, look it up. Watch the show. I think it's in Korea. Um, But this dude just killing women because he thinks they're sluts so um what else did I watch I watched uh Hmm. I think that's about it I've watched other stuff but those are like the main murder crime shows that I have watched um so I would suggest any and all of those shows because they are all good um let's see i'm just checking over my notes here to see if i missed anything it looks like i got everything that i watched that is relevant um not much going on here um Thanksgiving is coming up. Um, It's been a crazy past couple of weeks. I'm going to give shout outs to Five Gang. Um, Yeah, I can't really think of anything else. So I guess I'll jump right into the murder tonight. Um, Tonight I am doing Eileen Wernos. And this, if you haven't heard of this, which most of you should have, there's a movie made after this. Uh, It's called Monster. 
uh, and Charlize Theron. Theron? Theron? I don't know how to pronounce her name, but I think it's Theron. She plays Eileen Wernos, and she does a really good job, and she's so beautiful, and her character is not, and it's just crazy how unattractive they can make someone be who is actually very attractive. Um, and this is such a good one. And I just want to tell you all, I want you all to know that I'm not cheering for a serial killer. That's not what's happening when I say it's good. Like, this is not... This is not for murder. Like, I'm not for murder as much as I pretend that I am. Uh, I don't pretend that I am. I just joke. I'm a jokester. Haha. -ha. Uh, it's, it's just about knowing about her. Like every other episode that I do, like everything that I watch, it's just fascinating. It's about staying up at night, scaring the living shit out of yourself, and then being able to share it with you all. Um, that's what I'm here for. Um, so this is a rough one because on one hand you have, like, as a female, I, I, I can only speak for myself, have so much empathy for her until she starts really murdering people and then it's gone. So it's a tricky situation. I... I'm full of empathy. At times I fucking hate it because I'm feeling bad for other people when I should be feeling bad for myself or or not feeling bad for bad people. But I do it and it's exhausting. Um, if you are an empath, you know exactly how I am feeling. So um, as life is, I suppose. So uh, between November 1989 and November 1990, Eileen Wernos killed seven men um, along the highways of Central Florida. Um, but let's start in Rochester, Michigan, okay? So she is born in Rochester, Michigan in February of 1956. Her mom, Diane, was 14 years old when she got married to the dad. Uh, they have... Uh, first, a son named Keith when she's 15. Um, she has Eileen when she's 16. Can you fucking imagine? Think of yourself when you're 14 years old, 16 years old, having a fucking baby. Nope. I couldn't even handle a dog. Like, I could barely handle Doritos. I couldn't manage them alone. Like, I had to have them taken out of my hand. I still have to say, take these away from me, like, when I'm eating something. And at, like, 14, 15, 16, ugh, no, couldn't imagine. Um, so that's where we're starting. Let's fucking do it. Uh, so Eileen's father, uh, let's hear about him, just a, a little about him. Two months before Eileen is born, he's incarcerated. He's diagnosed as schizophrenic, and then later he's convicted of raping and kidnapping a seven-year-old girl. Don't worry, though. He hangs himself in prison when Eileen is 12 years old. She never meets him. Um, 
And in January 1960, when Eileen's almost four years old, her mom, Diane, abandons the kids. She leaves them with their grandparents um, and just dips out of town. They legally adopt her. Um, and I think it's one of those situations where Eileen didn't know that she was adopted and that her mother abandoned her until she was older. Um, so went her whole life without knowing and she was adopted until she was older. I mean, she was only four, so... You, if you think back, you don't really remember a whole lot from when you're four, right? I don't have any memories of when I was four. So a lot of stuff um, is, well, like everyone in her past, her family, her parents, her grandparents, all of the men that she killed, like everyone's dead. Uh, so... They can't say exactly what happened. Um, so it's all based on her own stories. So we don't know completely what's true, um, but there's a lot of corroboration based on the kids that she grew up with. Um, so, Sippy. Um, she says... Um, that her alcoholic grandfather sexually assaulted her, beat her when she was a child, and by the age 11, she starts engaging in sexual activities in exchange for cigarettes and drugs and food. Um, she also engages in um, sexual activities with her brother. Um, so they would hang out like, all the burnouts would hang out at this spot. So she hangs out with them. Um, she said that there was a lot of sexual activity going on. She was raped. And later people from the town said that she was treated very badly. In uh, 1970, at age 14, she gets pregnant, um, possibly by a friend of the family, an older man. Um, and she gives birth to a boy in a home for unwed mothers. And the kid is placed for adoption. Um, and uh, three months later, she drops out of school. Her grandmother dies. Her grandfather kicks her out of the house. So she's supporting herself as a sex worker. Uh, we do not hear anything else about what happened to the child. I mean, he was adopted, but there's no more mention of him um so i'm sure it was like a closed adoption but that's i mean it, it's good it's good for him um he would have been raised terribly um so she supports herself as a sex worker she lives in the woods for a while and then she hits the fucking road at 16 and hitchhikes around the country for five years uh she ends up eventually um, in 1976 in Daytona Beach, Florida, and she meets a 69-year-old, nice, uh, yacht club president named Louis Gratz Fell. She marries him. She is 22 years old at the time. So she's 22, he's 69. It's fine, but 
she's still getting in like confrontations. She's kind of a brawler. Um, she's very opinionated. She is not afraid to start a fight or say what's on her mind or overreact about a lot of things. Um, she's had it totally shit all of her life. And all she knows is hitchhiking and fucking staying alive. So they're fighting all the time. She kind of loses it all the time. Um, she has these bursts of anger and she eventually hits him with his own cane and he then gets a restraining order against her. So their marriage is annulled after just nine weeks. Um, I'm picturing Anna Nicole Smith's wedding picture, but like a slightly different look. So picture Anna Nicole Smith a little methier. Uh, he's a little bit younger, but he's got his yachting cap on. He's snazzy, kind of rich, like uh, Thurston Howell III, perhaps. Um, you know, Gilligan's Island. And um, so Thurston Howell III and Meth Anna Nicole Smith. Like, that's that's what I'm picturing. And that's totally not nice of me and not funny at all. So if you laughed at that, shame on you. And if you didn't, which you probably didn't, well, you're a good person, I guess. Um, so then her brother Keith dies of throat cancer, which is devastating to her. Um, you know, keep in mind, this is the same brother that she had, you know, sexual relations with when they were younger. Um, they're actually really close, though. Um, obviously, it's a weird relationship, um, but it, she's devastated. Um, and then her grandfather dies from apparent suicide. So she's completely on her fucking own. She lost her dad. She Well, she never met her dad. Her mom abandons her. We don't know what happened to her. Both of her grandparents are dead. Her brother's dead. Literally, she's alone. Um, so after her divorce, she has tons of run-ins with the law. She's arrested for drunk driving. Um, she, um, she is in a Florida prison for armed robbery. Like she robs a liquor store in a bikini. Um which is the inspiration for the film Spring Breakers. That was a joke. Um, she, but she does, she does it in a bikini. Um, like she, she gets out of the fucking liquor store, drives away, and then her car breaks down, down the road, and she gets caught. Um, and I know that she ends up being a very bad person, but she has the very worst luck of all time, it sounds like. Um, she's not mentally stable, clearly. Um, but she's paroled in 1983 and she returns to sex work. And around 1986, she meets what would become really uh, the love of her life, 24-year-old um, Tyra Moore. So they meet at a uh, Daytona Beach gay bar, and um, she's a hotel maid. And in the movie Monster, she's played by Christina Ricci. She does not 
look like Christina Ricci. Like that was a stretch. Like even when they cut off all of Christina Ricci's hair, like she does not look like Christina Ricci. But she's like a cute young thing, you know? Um, youth gives everyone good looks, right? So they meet and um, Tyra's a lesbian. And weirdly, Eileen's not really a lesbian. She just finally has someone who loves her for who she is. Um, she just wants to be loved for Christ's sake. I mean, who doesn't? Um, even the most terrible people most of the time want to be loved. So she has someone who wants to stick by her. She has someone that she can take care of. And it almost seems like that's what she always needed. Like she had relationships in the past that were all disastrous. Um, but she really just wanted to take care of someone. So they go home the night that they meet and they move in together like immediately that night. Um, and Eileen is really controlling of her. So she makes her quit her job and she says that she's going to earn money from sex work to take care of her. And Tyra didn't approve of it, but you know, she did it anyways. So, um, there's a book called Dear Dawn and, um, it's, uh, Wernos in her own words. So this chick Dawn Botkins was like her best friend from when she was a teenager. And when Eileen ends up in prison, she just sends her like four letters a day of like crazy stuff. Um, but they published a book about it. Um, so she says to Dawn, when she was in a gay relationship, she starts getting triggered by all these awful things that are happening to them because it's Florida in the mid 80s. They're lesbians, you know, they're not allowed to be. So they say like one of the neighbors kills their pets because they're lesbians living together. And she said it fueled the fire within um, like they couldn't find a place to live. No one would let them live there together. And if they did, they would raise their rent really high because they were lesbians. So Eileen feels like she has to hustle. So she carries a gun with her and she's just really unstable. She starts hitchhiking and she starts stealing from people. So... This is when our first murder takes place. Uh, it's November 30th, 1989 in Clearwater, Florida. Richard Mallory is a 51-year-old electronics repairman. He picks up Eileen just outside of Tampa. Um, she's just hitchhiking. And then she propositions him. So he agrees and they pull off the road. Um, they drink a little, they talk until dawn. Um, again, this is all based on her telling what happened. So we don't know how much it is true, how much is embellished. Um, but eventually she shoots him four times in the chest and the back. She takes his money. She hides him in the woods under a carpet and takes his car back to Tyra. Uh, in the movie, if I'm remembering this correctly, which I just rewatched the movie yesterday because I wanted to, you know, refresh my memory. And um, it, I believe in the movie, he 
knocks her out and then she wakes up she's tied up and then he rapes her with some object and then she fucking fights and somehow gets untied and then she fucking kills him uh but again who knows if that really happened because you know this is all her her story um so she tells Tyra that she killed this dude and took his car and Tyra's like, I didn't believe her. Um, and then two weeks later, Richard's body is found in a wooded area in Volusia County. And after a six month break after killing Richard Mallory on June 1st, 1990, the body of David Spears, a 43 year old construction worker in Winter Garden is found and he's found nude along Florida State Road 19 in Citrus County. He's been shot six times. Then June 6th, 1990, Peter, oh, Sims or Symes? I, I might have typed it wrong, but I'll say Peter Symes um, leaves Jupiter, Florida for Arkansas. He is 65, retired merchant seaman who devoted much of his time to Christian outre outreach ministries. Um, on July 4th, 1990, his car is found in Orange Springs, Florida. Um and in the movie, this one was really hard to watch because he was just a cute, innocent old man wanting to help this poor woman who was on the road in the middle of the night. I believe it was like rainy and he just wanted to help her. And she fucking, she tries to proposition him and he's like, no, I'm good. I got a wife. I got kids. Like my daughter's getting married. And he cries and he begs her not to kill him. And she does anyways. She shoots him in the back of the head in the movie. And it, that one was hard to watch. I just felt really sad for that. I mean, I feel sad for all of them. But I mean, the other guys were like fucking trying to have sex with her and shit, which whatever. I don't know. I, who am I to say that one is worse than the other? But this one just was felt different to me. It was sadder to me. Um, so on July 4th, 1990, his car is found in Orange Springs, Florida. Um, so uh, Tyra and Eileen are, are seen actually abandoning his car. So um, they, what happens is they actually get in an accident. Like, man, she has so much car trouble. Um, so they get in a car accident and it's like right outside someone's house. So, uh, people are like, Hey, can we help you? And they're like, Nope. And they just run into the fucking wilderness. Like, um, I think they drive off, but still like, Nope, we're good. Like the car barely is running. So they drive into the woods. She pries the license plates off with her bare fucking hands and they book it from the car and the family's just standing there like, um, ma'am, ma'am, are you okay? So they're like, all right, here's what she looks like. Obviously, you know, they call the cops and stuff. And they're like, 
we don't know why these men are turning up dead with the same gun. So they kind of know at that point that there's a serial killer. So they find out that um, this car has come from this guy who went missing. So they have their photos and their drawings in the paper at this point. Um, and they actually get Eileen's fingerprints off of the car, uh, which were on file because she'd gotten in so much trouble before. You know, remember the bikini incident? I bet you do. So they're looking for her at this point. So she kills, again, Troy Burris, a 50-year-old sausage salesman from Ocala. And on July 31st, 1990, he's reported missing. And August 4th, 1990, his body is found in a wooded area along State Road 19 in Marion County. He has been shot twice. Uh, then you have Charles Dick Humphreys, 56 years old, um, September 11th, 1990, a retired U.S. Air Force major. Um, he was a former state child abuse investigator and former chief of police. And this one has her freaking out because she goes through his wallet to steal his money and she sees a fucking police badge. So she, this is the point where she's like, fuck, I fucked up bad. So on September 12th, 1990, his body is found in Marion County. He's fully clothed. Um, he had been shot six times in the head and torso and his car is later found in Sewanee County. Um, you then have Walter Antonio, age 62. He's a trucker, security guard, um, police uh, reservist. I don't know what that word is and why I wrote it, but that's what he was, police reservist. Does that make sense? Okay. So November 19th, 1990, his nearly nude body is found near a uh, remote logging road in Dixie County. He had been shot four times. Um, and five days later, his car is found as well. So then finally, they're like looking for her. They track her down to a biker bar in Port Orange called The Last Resort. I yelped it. And it's still there. And there's a picture on the wall, actually. I looked through some of the photos. And um, there's like a picture, like a newspaper article type thing that says Eileen Wernos had her last beer here. They're like into it. And it's kind of nice. There's a bar somewhere that's like me, like a whole bar full of drunks that are like, check this shit out. Are you freaking out? I'm freaking out. So, and I don't know, there, there were some other pictures that I saw. It said Eileen Wernos, and then it said something like raped here. And I don't, I could not read what was before it. I don't know if it had anything to do with her, but all the pictures I found, like I could not find a complete uh, picture of what it actually said, but I thought that was pretty interesting. And I'm curious as to what that actually meant. Um, but they, so they're at this bar, they grab her. Um, it was kind of like a, 
undercover operation. They had a couple undercover guys in there who like lured her out and then they grab her um, and they find Tyra who's like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. And she had actually gone back home. She went on a bus, went back home, um, but they find her and they're like, listen, we don't think you did anything. So you need to get a confession and we won't prosecute you. So she's like, all right. So they have all of these calls from the fucking motel. Finally, Eileen's like, I'll confess so you don't get in trouble for it. Um, she says that um, she only knew about the first one and that she didn't believe Eileen. And um, she didn't believe the other 18 or whatever. No, it was seven total. But she says Eileen did them on her own and did never tell her about them. And in the movie... Again, this is, we have nothing to go off of but of what I what Eileen says and now what Tyra says. But she's kind of just, like, she just goes along with whatever. Like, she trusts Eileen. Like, she doesn't question a whole lot. Eileen doesn't tell her a whole lot. Um, but she says she did it on her own and that she didn't ever tell her about them. Um, she just thought she was stealing the cars. She thought she was stealing money. I don't buy it, but whatever. Who am I? So Eileen ends up confessing to all of the murders in detail, but she, along with the help of her uh, defense, claims that they were all in self-defense. Of course, they were in self-defense. Of course, that's what everyone claims. So and, and that all of the men had attacked her and tried to rape her and kill her. Um, except she shot them six to nine times and a lot of them were clothed. Um, so I don't know. I mean, could it happen? Yes. It, if you're shooting someone six to nine times, if you're inexperienced and it could happen. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. So then the fucking trial blows up and people are trying to make money left and right off of her book and like people are trying to get movie deals out of it and there's actually this woman named Eileen Prale and she's like, I just saw her on TV and I knew she was innocent. I don't know if she's Southern. Um, I, it's not a part of the movie. It's just something I read. <laughs> Um, and I just need to be friends with her. I just knew it in my heart. And she's like, I needed to know her. And I think they had money. So she was like, gonna help her. And she wanted to talk to her. But the only way that um, they could actually get into the prison was... Um, uh, if they were related to her. So her and her husband adopt her. They adopt Eileen, this 30-something-year-old woman. What the fuck? Adopt her. Okay. So, uh, so this woman, to no surprise, ends up being a fucking crazy person and ends up making like $50,000. Like, she wants to do an art show to pull up, put up Eileen's drawings and stuff and selling shit to the media. 
And finally, Eileen is like, fuck that bitch and kicks her out of her fucking life. Like, it's almost like a bad version of the blind side. It's like if the blind side was a fucked up, super dark, like, yeah. Bless her heart, though. So you see these videos of Eileen and she's clearly a million different people. She's so crazy sometimes and then so sympathetic and sad sometimes. Um, in the show, the documentary um, Catching a Killer that I watched, one of the episodes is about her, like I said. And she's just bawling and she's like, you've almost you do feel bad for her. And then you're like, no, she fucking murdered all these men. Um, So she takes a psychopathy like checklist test thing, which if you get 30 points, you're legally a psychopath or whatever. And she gets 32. She passed. She fucking nailed that shit. (laughs) Like, Eileen, it's the first time that you succeeded in your life. Um, God, that's so mean. Um, But she's diagnosed then with borderline and antisocial personality disorder. And her love, you know, her love of her life, Tyra, ends up testifying against her, which I don't think she realized that she was turning on her like that. So, yeah, um she does that and in the movie it's obviously meant to be dramatized but Tyra doesn't look at her I mean it's just sad and Eileen looks kind of she's like shocked and then looks mad and then sad and then she like gives her this look of like no I know why you're doing this you want to live your life like you I promised you I would take care of you and that I would take the rap for everything. And she does. And she doesn't seem to hold any, like, bad feelings towards her. And it was kind of a sweet moment. Um, and also, I just want to throw in there, I was I was going to say it earlier, but I forgot. When on the documentary, and they show it in the movie too, but the documentary, I don't know if it's real Um, footage Uh, but when she's talking to Eileen they're telling her like make it believable and act like you're upset but she doesn't have to act like she's thoroughly and legitimately upset and it's it kind of pulls at your heartstrings for a minute like they're relationship and their like love for each other was so strong like it's just it just kind of pulls at your heartstrings for a minute but then you have to remember she fucking killed these people uh so just for a moment it's sad um so yeah she testifies against her and then um she gets sentenced to death She's convicted in 1992 for first-degree murder, and she's sentenced to death, and she actually says to the jury, 
Um, so she's, she's convicted one day and then the next day is her sentence. So after her conviction, I believe it was, she says to the jury as she's like walking out, I hope you all get raped. Keeping it classy. They don't show that part in the movie. In the movie, they say, she says something else like, I hope you, you or you guys are all fucking assholes or something like that. But no, in reality, she actually said, I hope you all get raped. And she says that, like I said, when they convict her and then the next day, they have to go back in for sentencing. And she's like, shit. She's probably like, hey, have you noticed the uh, borderline thing? Yeah, that's what happened yesterday. Today I'm fine. Like, don't be mad about that rape joke. I take it back. Like, I can be that way sometimes. Um, it's like when you're at a bar or something and you stand up. Not that I've ever done this. Not, not that this is a common thing that happens, but I'm just trying to picture a different scenario. You're at a bar and you stand up on a table, you're super fucking drunk, and you tell everyone to like, go fuck themselves because maybe you got cut off or you're super drunk. And then you leave. But then you're like, sorry, I just forgot my purse. I just left my purse on this chair. Like, oh, Eileen, come on. If you got that joke, that's cheap comedy. If you didn't, take a listen again. So after almost 20 years in solitary lockdown, um, so 20 years in solitary lockdown, I think she spent uh, 12 years on death row. Um, so on July 1st, 2001, at the age of... Okay, so when she was convicted, she was 36 years old. Um, that's three years younger than I am right now. And you see these photos of her and I'm like, damn, that could be my adopted mother. Like she did not age well. She looks, she was 36 and she looked at, she looked like she was 60, like for real. Um, she did not, not age well. So uh, almost 20 years in solitary fucking lockdown, which is awful. Um, writing, writing Dawn fucking crazy letters four times a day. And these are like bananas letters. Like sometimes they're coherent. Sometimes they're not. And I have not read this book, but I feel like I should now. And I really want to now because I don't know. That shit just fascinates me. Um, it's really fucking sad, like, for a moment. Um, like, I hadn't read a lot about this. I knew the movie. I knew her story. Um, and like I say, I've said this multiple times already. I felt really bad for her. But then I keep reminding myself, wait a minute. She killed a bunch of fucking people in cold blood for no reason. So, okay. Got it. At the age of uh, 45... After spending 12 years on death row, she goes up to the state and she's like, can we stop the mandated appeals and can you just kill me? She's like, I'm sick of all the fucking taxpayer money going to this. It's bullshit. 
Uh, and they were like, hey, remember when you wanted us to be raped? The answer is no. No, not really. They didn't do that. But she was like, every time the appeals get overturned, some fucking bigwig politician gets his bump because he fucking keeps her in. And that's the guy that's hard on crime. And she's kind of over it and also crazy. So she says, look, bros, the murders weren't in self-defense. I fucking killed them because I robbed them and I didn't want any witnesses. So they were like, okay, let's do it. Obviously, I'm paraphrasing in case you're like, what happened to our legal system? No, that's not how it went. But uh, on October 9th, 2002, the age of 46 years old, she is put to death by lethal injection. And she said on the stand uh, when she's doing this thing, like, I'd kill again. I have hate crawling through my system. And that's it. 2002. Goodbye. And that's Eileen Wernos. Um, she had it real, real bad. But there's a lot of people that have had it really bad and they don't murder people. Um, but yeah, I mean, she had a fucked up childhood from the start. Young parents, dad in prison, mom abandons, grandparents are abusive, brother fucking sexual relationship with him. I mean, it's just a long line of fucking bad shit that happens to her. So I do feel bad for her, but at the same time, that is no excuse. But I, you know, I do actually like give her props for being like, look, it wasn't self-defense. I fucking lied. Just fucking kill me because I will do it again if I get out. I I have hate, that much hate crawling through me. Like, I will never get better. And that, like, instead of wasting the taxpayer's money and trying to do all these appeals, you know, year after year, however often they do them, like that's actually good on her for that like that was that was a solid that she did for many people i'm sure um so yeah watch the movie monster if you have not seen it because it's it's really good and i think charlize theron actually i believe and if she didn't she should have gotten some awards for it but i i, I think she did because it was like a really good performance um, and then the Catching a Killer on Netflix, um, the like, I don't know, a few episodes that there are on that. There's one about her that was really interesting, too. Um, so that's really, that's it. I'm done. That's her. That's Monster. Fits, fits the theme of my podcast, you know, of Monsters and Crime. So, uh... If you have anything to say to me, if you want a story read, if you want to join me and read it yourself, uh, if you want to talk to me, we can bullshit, email me at ofmonstersandcrime at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to become a patron, the Patreon link is www.patreon.com slash ofmonstersandcrime. Um catch me on the social media 
we got the Twitter and the Instagram, which I don't really use that often. But um, until next time, goodbye.